The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed to those of the participants and do not reflect those of BMC or the town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. Hello again and welcome to another edition of the TOST Toddcast with Coach Q here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network. I'm Todd Bologniars alongside Belmont High School head football coach Jan Kuman. And once again, I have to remind all of our listeners uh, that these are interactive shows, these weekly sit-downs with the coach. And, oh, I have to say hi for the selfie. All right, hello. <laughs> I, I didn't see you doing that, coach. So yeah, I, I don't you, do it for the gram. I do it for Belmont. Oh, know? okay. Well, <laughs> Kendrick. Okay. Well, all right. Well, thank you very much for that. Yeah, these are interactive shows, and Friends of Belmont Football even put out a separate post saying, please send your questions, send your comments to the coach. I was waiting all weekend. I even sent it another blast. Nothing. <sighs> nothing. You guys are playoff bound. Oh, my and goodness. And nothing. Oh, my uh, goodness. Again, though, uh, I will repeat the hashtag one more time. It's Q's uh, 4Q. Go on Twitter. Use the hashtag. Send your congrats. Send your uh, send anything. Send whatever opinion you want. <laughs> Uh, well, maybe not set, whatever. But well, anyway. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, whatever comments you want, to, uh, tell us you, you need a new host here or something. I don't know. Whatever. I, well, well, we'll take it. Uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity when it comes to a, a Twitter hashtag, that I guess. That is very true. Yeah. So well, uh, uh, don't forget, you can also follow Coach Q on Twitter at Q underscore Coach, as well as BHS Football at Marauder F Ball. You can also follow Time Out for Sports Talk on Twitter. Our handle is at TOSTBMC. Uh, we post the links to these programs every week during the season. And. Links are also posted on the TOST Facebook page where you can become a fan. Just search Time Out for Sports Talk. And as I said, uh, it is uh, it is a, a big show tonight. And uh, I figured to uh, to make it uh, memorable here, we're going to bring a little, we're going to bring some background music and congratulate the playoff-bound Belmont High School Marauders football team. And, I, you know, I couldn't think of anything better than to get the BHS uh, marching band. I love it. I want to thank uh, whichever parent decided to post this on uh, Twitter. Wow. Or I'm not on Twitter, on uh, YouTube. So That's awesome right there. So, uh, yes, we do have that in there. I figured learning to fly would be uh, quite appropriate uh, <laughs> for, the, uh, for the Marauders there. Got to so, love that band, man. Yeah, no question. Got to love those guys up. Although, once again, I have a feeling, you know what, I, I don't think, I think there was a, ma- a, a mix-up there because I think I still had the other, yeah, I did, I did have the other one going. So let's say, let's hear the band without the other mix in there. <laughs> there you go. That there sounds, we go, that's cleaner. That, that does sound a lot cleaner. <laughs> oh, that's quality, that horn line. There you go. So, uh, tight, tight horns. Yeah. Is the band making the uh, the trip up to Danvers? Do we know? I don't know. I haven't. Uh, I haven't really heard anything. I know we got a fan bus going up, and um, I think it's the first time in my career that that's that's happened for football. So that's pretty cool. I know the student section will be rocking, and uh, it'll be a great up atmosphere up there in in Danvers. And um, I'm excited for that. I, I hope I hope our band's making the trip. I know they don't normally travel, but uh, might have to shoot Paula. Paul an email and see what what he has planned. 
Well, they've been great all season, and I, I look forward to uh, – I, I know I'm going to definitely hear them again on Thanksgiving, Dan. I look oh, forward yes. to that. And, uh, yeah, I know they've got a few more performances before that comes. As Of course, your team has a few more performances. But, but again, Coach, uh, you know, all kidding aside with that, I just – congratulations uh, to – you know, I know it's uh, year five of uh, – your time here, and I know it's been you know a long time coming. These are the, a lot of the goals that you guys set. Uh, you, you set them for yourself, for the team, for for you know everybody involved with the uh, the program, and uh, to finally uh, to meet that goal, it was. Uh, well, it's you know again, you guys should be commended. It's been a Thank fun. You. It's been a fun team to watch. I've been, you know, uh, grateful to watch every game so far this yeah, season. Yeah, you've been, made uh, a, you've made all of them, man. It's uh, uh, yeah, it's it's been fun. You know, we were. Uh, you know, we'll talk about it, but, you know, a little disappointed in the result in our last regular season game. We definitely, you know, sh- felt that was a game we should have won. We're in position to win um, and weren't able to come away with it and, and not exactly how we wanted to, you know, finish going into the playoffs. But, you know, we knew we were in good shape prior to the game and, you know, those early season wins against Milton especially really helped us out in our ratings. Would have preferred to go in at four and three instead of instead of three and four, but um, – you know, we'll take the entry. Um, just really excited to be there and really excited to kind of finally accomplish that that program goal. Um, it's been a program goal since year one. So uh, all, all credit to our guys um, and to our coaching staff who've, who've you know, really stayed the course and uh, worked their butts off this year and uh, in previous years too uh, to, to get us to this position, to have this opportunity. So we're just wicked excited. Well, I'll tell you something, Coach. Uh, three and four is still a hell of a lot better than zero and seven. But yet the <laughs> Triton Vikings, yeah, uh, yeah. D five North Region, zero and seven. They made it as an eight seed. Yes, they, they will. Did. Uh, they will go to Swampskid on Saturday, uh, where they are already lost this year, forty nine nothing to the uh, yeah. the big blue wave. Is that what they are? Big I blue. Think? Yeah, big blue. Um, uh, yeah, know, I saw. Uh, I saw that that little side story, and you know, I know a lot of people have have a lot of things to say i'd say you know don't take it out on poor triton they're 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 not choosing that for themselves probably they just kind of ended up there um well i'm just looking at their their the, they play in the cape Ann league uh you look at some of their league rivals marblehead seven and oh swamps get six and one ipswich six and one amesbury six and one north reading five and two yep yep good teams wow. out, good teams out there in the cape Ann. um yeah i mean i think that like they're you know <laughs> There's a lot of positives to this playoff structure. There's a lot of negatives to it. I mean, I think I've made no secret of it in, in league meetings and all of that, that for me, you know, not to down talk it, but for me, one of the issues exists that we're kind of trying to have our cake and eat it too with regards to, to keeping a divisional playoff structure, but then also retaining conferences. Um you, you really got to go, in my mind, in my humble opinion, uh, you got to go one or the other. Um, and so, you know, for us, I, for me, I think we would be well served to kind of approach it like a lot of other states do, like pretty much every other state in the country approaches it, which is to have divisional breakdowns and you play a divisional schedule over the course of your regular season. And then however many teams are deemed, you know, the playoff cut, um, go to the playoffs and play a divisional bracket. Um, and so our conference system disallows that because there are divisional differences in the sizes of schools. You know, So if you look just at the Middlesex Large, you know, Lexington's Division One, Reading and Woburn are Division II, you know, we're Division Three, Winchester's Division Three, Arlington's Division Three, 
Um, and that creates a lot of challenges um, in the divisional structure going into the playoffs. Um, so something that hopefully will get revisited. I know that we got a lot of historic conferences in Massachusetts, and that's always kind of been the struggle is, um, you know, how do we retain these historic conferences? And I think that as much as I love being in the Middlesex, man, I love our conference, I love our league, I just – I think we're trying to trying to tread between two systems that aren't congruous. You know, they don't congruent. They don't, they don't match up well together. And hopefully as we move forward, the MIA football committee will make adjustments and tweaks and, and we'll get better. I mean, I think we're, you know, definitely in a better position than we were when there were, you know, 36 state – Super Bowl champions or whatever there used to be back in the day. So yeah. um, I'm one step at a time. Yeah, I think they've made some tweaks already. I think even like after the first couple of years, I know they, they started the playoff format in, in 2013. I think after the first year or two, they uh, they added more divisions to kind of spread things out. So, I mean, that that's certainly a, a step in the right direction. But uh, while you bring up the Middlesex League and, of course, anyone who's grown up here in Belmont, I mean, that is the, the, the history. And, yeah, and, the, and the there's tradition. a lot. Eight out of 12 teams in the Middlesex League uh, made the playoffs this year, including the Marauders. So uh, uh, kudos to all of them. Lexington, Reading, Woburn, Winchester, Burlington, Melrose, and uh, the undefeated Stoneham Spartans, your uh, kind of pseudo alma mater. Yeah, yeah. You got uh, your apprenticeship there, I guess. I did. I'm I'm, I'm really, really happy for (laughs) for Coach Almeida, man. I'm happy for that squad over there. Um, but I'm, I'm really happy for Coach Almeida and Coach Tarby, who's over there, Coach Yancey, who's over there. Um, you know, those guys are just great New England football guys um, and, and, you know, was, was proud to be part of, of, the, of the kind of program turnaround there in, in, in my two years there as the D.C., which included the first playoff trip in a long time in our second year, lost to Linfield, but, you know, kind of took that step. Um, and, and Coach Almeida – man has just done a great job with the kids that he has they got some talent they're hard-working lunch pail guys got to see him on uh the game of the week you know and uh he's looking slim coach Almeida man he's looking looking real good so uh sending those guys nothing but great vibes they're part of our football family part of my football family got nothing but love for for Sparta over there so wish them the best of luck yeah we wish all the Middlesex League teams uh well uh Stoneham uh, is uh the only number one seed of uh, the Middlesex League they're in uh, Division 6 North and they'll be hosting Essex Tech uh this Friday uh 6 30 kickoff over there uh so can Congrats to them, and as I said, all the uh, Middlesex League teams. Of course, one of the Middlesex League teams that did not make the playoffs, the Arlington Spy Ponders, but, boy, they sure looked like a team that, uh, based on what we saw of them last week at Harris Field, looked like a team uh, more than capable of uh, of uh, being uh, playoff caliber. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we could go and talk about the entire game, but let's just skip to the, the last seven minutes. <laughs> I mean, it was 21-17 with seven minutes left. Uh, Swift, their kicker, misses a field goal that would have put them up seven. Yep. And then, well, then all hell broke loose. And, of course, uh, you know, I was even the one, you know, I don't I, I don't have a lot of cliches as an announcer, but one of the ones I kind of like to call my own little catchphrase of sorts is the all, you know, uh, in case you just tuned in, where the heck, where have, the you heck have you been? Yeah, that's I, I kind of like to, that's mine. I I've noticed. I haven't heard any other announcers use it, so I, I like to kind of make it my own. I, I like haven't, it. I haven't copyrighted it yet, but. Uh, well, we've, you given know, you a, we've given you a bunch of games that, that 
that well <laughs> fit that that fit that one. Well, that one. Well, the whole joke is, of course, that there's been so much happening up to that point. <laughs> well, I said it after I think or right before either right before or right after he missed that field goal. Little did I know that before more touchdowns scored in the game. Oh, yeah. So if you had just tuned in and all you saw was the last seven minutes, you still would have uh, seen uh, quite an entertaining game. Uh, all right, so well, let's talk about that. Let, let's talk about that very next drive after they, you know, who got the block on the field goal? By the way, did you see who got credit for? Um, that? I'd have to go back and look at that stat. Special team stats sometimes for us take a little bit of a. Or no, I'm sorry, I think that was late, the hooked. Wasn't it the, the PAT? Late, he blocked a PAT. I think that one was just a miss. Right, that was a hook. He just missed right. wide left. Yeah. Um, but you know we'll we'll take it. <laughs> but now let's talk about the ensuing drive there because up to that point the running game you know it seemed like you were just kind of having to really grind out the yards uh, from both Killian Rakai. Yep. I mean even Cedric uh, Tassant got a couple carries in there. Uh, your fullbacks. Uh, then you have that drive. You know you're starting at the twenty. You go eighty yards in three plays. Killian rips one off for about forty. Then Rakai for fifteen, and then uh, you know Killian the the rest of the way there. And one of the things I had mentioned during you know those three runs is it just felt like the holes were so big. I mean, the line did yeah. a tremendous job, uh, you know, creating holes. And as I kind of said, and it feels like a broken record when I say it, but e- when Killian and Rakai get into open space, I mean, these guys are yeah, just – Yeah, they're great. They're, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean we, we, you know, found some stuff in our spread run package, you know, that that we were able to get going. Um, you know, we, we had kind of, I think, built to those plays throughout the first three quarters. You know, we were really trying to do a better job of – kind of sequencing our stuff up and making sure that we're running things that run off of other, you know, actions that we've run. And um, so we were able to kind of get that going there and spread the spread the Arlington defense out a little bit more, um, especially, you know, late in the fourth quarter. Now they're, you know, thinking, hey, they're going to try to pass down the field and preserve clock. And, you know, we felt we had a, a bunch of clock time and uh, we, we could really rattle off, you know, a couple of, of interior spread runs. Um, which we were able to do. I mean, you know, we're not calling those plays to go 35 or 40 yards. You know, I mean, we're calling plays to go. You know, interior runs. We're calling them to go. You know, four to four to six yards. That's what we're trying to get every time we run the ball is four yards. So, you know, it was just kind of well blocked up, and we got the defensive set that that we wanted, and and both Killian and Rakai were able to find some find some space um, on three runs and and make some things happen. And the line did a great job of of executing assignment on that. So a uh, really big drive. You know, we, we think we got some great explosive backs when we get that two headed monster rolling. Um, and it definitely showed its ability to get down the field fast late in the game, uh, which is great. One call back I will make to the uh, the first half of the game, and you know, again talking about a play that works. You, you brought back that little screen pass to Rakai. Yeah. Uh, Arno just dumps it off to him, and then he does the rest just like two weeks ago against Winchester. This time it only went for about forty yards, but again, I think it's basically the same play, right? And you you, know, you got the blockers in front, and yep. then uh, you know Rakai does the rest. Yeah, I mean we were kind of protecting Rax a little bit, um, trying to keep him healthy, looking towards the playoffs and all that, and he just you know we we're kind of running up against it a little bit in our run game and uh they were being pretty aggressive in their in their blitz set and we just kind of looked at it and said let's chuck a screen out there and um Rax had a little bit of a look in his eye <clears throat> that was his first play from scrimmage uh that game oh he, you're right yeah he that's hadn't right. he hadn't been in the game prior to that on on either side of the ball um so we just kind of tossed him out there to run that one and uh we were able to get some good blocks out in front of him and good line action and uh, he was able to make a man or two miss and get into open space. And, you know, as you said, once that kid and Killian, too, once they get into open space, they're they're dangerous. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, Rakai's uh, yards per catch. I think he's got like four catches yeah, for like, like 40, 40 yards yeah, a catch. 40 yards a catch thanks to those, those two it. plays right there. Well, let, let's jump back to, the, to you know, that fourth quarter sequence again. So, so Killian has just scored. You guys have cut it uh, down. Or actually, you've taken the lead 24-21. You're up three. And then on the very next series, uh, Bowler throws the inner. You know, Rocha's yep. got perfect positioning. And, you know, I'm also, you know, again, calling back to the fact that Rocha, the last time it, uh, Arlington had the ball, and the reason they had to settle for that field goal attempt was because Rocha made a play in the end zone to defend, sure defend a pass. So it was like, I mean, this was like the, this was kind of like, you know, the way Emmanuel Clark had that minute in the frame. Yeah. Game. This was the Justin Rocha minute. Justin Rocha minute. He, he, like, you know, really <laughs> just that minute of game time right there. And then, then getting the interception and, and taking it, uh, you know, down inside the 10. So, so, you know, talk briefly about that play. Yeah, uh, that was just, you know, Justin was in a great position to make a play on that football. He's a great corner. And uh, we had good we had good pressure. Uh, we got a little bit of a, a wide set on the end, and our linebacker pressure was able to come inside into B-gap and just kind of run right at Bowler. And he's a great quarterback, so he was able to kind of consume a lot of space and take away some throwing lane and take away his line of sight. And uh, he's backed up against his own end zone a little bit there. Um, and so he had to, he either had to throw it or, or, you know, take a sack and be down at the three, you know, so he just kind of let it fly, um, and missed his receiver a little bit. And Justin happened to be in the right place at the right time in his coverage set and was able to come up with it. So, uh, definitely a team effort there is Santoro, uh, Ryan Santoro, uh, tuna on the pressure and, um, you know, Justin in a great spot, you know, to pick that ball off and, and put us in a position to score, you know, um, that's what we love to see. Love turnovers, boy. Love turnovers. Yeah, saying you know, speaking of Santero, I remember him calling his number earlier in the game too. He had a couple other tackles for loss uh, in there. I think he might have even had a sack. Uh, uh, he had a he had half. a nice big tackle in the first half. Uh, I know the tackle you're thinking about on a kind of a zone type run that got held up, and Toro came through his backside a gap and uh, was able to lay a good stick on him. You know, he's a good football player. He's a he's a you know first year starting at linebacker, and there's been some growing pains in the kid, but. Um, he's a terrifically willing kid, you know. He's a kid who wants to do all the extra work and get better, and he's got some growth areas without a doubt. Uh, but his his heart and his attitude sure is in the right place when it comes to to playing football. He'd be hard hard pressed um, to find a kid who works harder than than Tuna does. I think you might have missed the boat on that nickname, though. I'm wondering about the tuna because you also referenced you call him Toro. Well, Toro, I would have sent. I would have thought the bull would have been the like that should be his. Yeah, nickname, well, not Toro tuna. is uh, Toro is Japanese for tuna. Oh, see, that's so uh, the multilingual Jan Cuman yeah, here. Uh, well, little uh, did you know, I Santoro know. Santoro becomes Toro, and Toro became tuna. Aha, um, uh -huh, got it. Okay, so well, there you go. That's you our that's our tuna. You've explained that to me. Okay, well. Uh, uh, you know, then uh, so right after the interception, Arno, nice uh, little pass to uh, to Zach. Yeah, Hubbard great pass to Hubsy. Yeah, little backside slant there. Um, they were pinning back pretty good, trying to you know looking at us in power run. Had some good isolation stuff in that week uh, out of our two back set, and uh, Coach Avery made a great call on that one. Went went right to the backside slant, and uh, it was there. It was wide open, and Arno threw a great ball, a seed right in his basket, and a uh, big touchdown for Hubsy. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, two touchdowns in about a minute and a half, and uh, 
You know, it was the fourth lead change of the game, but there was still four and a half minutes left at that point. And, you know, I will take some blame here, Coach. I uh, went back and I, I was able to listen to the, the end part where I kind of already had you guys hosting the playoff uh, game uh. this week. Although I think I did throw the word possibly in there, which might good slightly covered my rear end. I don't know. Not probably completely. I think there was a little, probably a little <laughs> hanging out there. Well, for that's that's not a good image. Okay, oh, well, but, uh, you know, my... <laughs> I was trying not to put the cart too far ahead of the horse, and unfortunately I did. But, you know, you guys had, you know, you were up 10, your biggest lead at that point. But then, uh, you know, and you said it last week, Coach. You said, you know, watch out for this Arlington team. They're not they're not one in five. Uh, they have some talent, yeah. and that certainly showed. Their quarterback, Adam Bowler, is, you know, everything. He's a great ball player. You know, he is. I mean, you know, so, I mean, he marches them down. Seven uh, plays, 69 yards uh, in about two minutes, less than two minutes, uh, and they get the touchdown. Uh, to pull within four, they miss the – that's where the extra point yep. got blocked. And yep. I don't know – do we know who got the block? No, I, I don't remember like who got that PAT or, block, okay. but uh, yeah. I can go back and look at that. But, it, you know, I kind of thought it was a big one at the time. Well, It, it, it was. Yeah, well, it still was no matter how you – no matter what the outcome here because, you know, it changes what they're doing at the end of the game anyway, you know. And then – but then, you know, as I said uh, at the time, you know, at the, on the call, it's just like, oh, my – God, that's like the per like every kicker. I'm sure Hampton Trout like dreams about have you know getting a chance in a game to execute like the perfect onside kick, the one that's just like that. You know, it's like in baseball, it'd be that ground ball that just hugs the ground, then all of a sudden it hits a pebble and takes yeah. like this wicked bounce at the last second. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's what happened there. Swift got uh, you know, it's just ideal because that thing did not look like it was going to take that bounce either. I think it was kind of just rolling on the ground. Yeah, and then all I, of a sudden, I was I was anticipating the high bounce, man. Anytime you get a ball that stays low on its first two bounces you know or stays low especially on the first you're you're probably going to see a kick up on the second or the third bounce I mean we were in good we were in in decent position by alignment okay position by alignment um we got to recover that kick uh you know it's not it's not rocket surgery you know and we had some personnel issues on that unit that that weren't the guys that we wanted out there on that unit um, and, you know, Coach Juice, our special teams guy, he knows that. Nobody took that one on the chin harder than, than Juicy did, um, you know, because it turns out, I'm like, I never say that one play lost us the football game, right? Like, they were able to drive down the field. We didn't tackle well in the, in the preceding touchdown drive. You know, we missed a bunch of tackles on Bowler. We gave them yards on third down. You know, we've got – if we do those things well defensively, we're not even sitting here having a conversation about an onside, onside kick because we force a punt you know, or we force a turnover on downs and we're just able to run clock. Um, and not to not to defend the lack of being able to make tackles, but Bowler is a big kid and he can, you know, he's strong and he seems like he's got some pretty yeah, decent Yeah, no, no, I'm too, not, I mean. I'm not, I'm not down talking uh, uh, their quarterback at all, man. I think, again, I've said it publicly, I'll say it again. I think he's, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the middle sex. I think you're having the conversation between Bowler and Bianchi. I mean, those two guys are just really, really great. He's a, he's a high level college player. He's a big kid. He's fast. He's physical. All of that stuff. We still have to tackle him. And for me, the big one is, you know, when we're in position to make tackles, right, we've got to get wraps. We've got to bring our hips to the party. We can't just, you know, slide down legs in those moments because we're because we're tired. You know, uh, we've shown ourselves at times the ability to be a really good tackling team and a physical football team. We got to dig deep on a drive like that as a defense and make those plays and make those plays difficult, you know. And they caught some, you know. I wouldn't say they they were breaks necessarily, but you know, we had a 
little sophomore in there because our starting corner was a little dinged up and they were able to get a ball down the sideline on a second down that our corner was in great position. The other kid was just taller, you know, was kind of able to reach over the top and grab it. So for us, it really comes down to just, you know, execution. Um, I hate to sound cliched as a football coach, you know, but you got to execute. You know, you got to make those plays. You got to you got to make those tackles when you got good angles. You got to bat balls down when you're in position to bat them down, and you got to recover an onside kick um, in that in that moment. And and keep your feet and be reactive. Our our guy there kind of went to a knee for some reason. Kind of went down to his knees and tried to bat it with his hand. And we don't teach that. You know, get your body behind the ball, knock it down, get it in the basket, and and get fetal. You know, and and curl up and let your guys protect you and. Um, we didn't do that. And so we were able to give them the football back and then they still had to score, you right. know, and well, and this is now shaping up like, you know, each of your wins this year yep. where it's going to be up to the defense to have to make that final stop. I mean, where have we, you know, as I, I kind of said at the time, where have we seen this before? Uh, one thing I, I did make a little notation here and I wanted to ask you about this, the penalty uh, down around the 20 yard line. Yeah. Late like, hit. That was, a, was that on Rakai? Because they called a late hit on Rakai. I, I went back and looked at that play. It was in – I mean, it looked like it was inbounds to me, and, in fact, that's what kind of made me perplexed at the time. I mean, it looked that's like – That's what a, they called. They called a personal foul late hit that put him inside the five. Uh, tough call. You know, I, yeah, was, I was right it there. It was a tough call. I, was, I was right there. We had two tough calls in that game. That one was one of them. Um, I was standing right there. I was confused. I didn't – I didn't. you know, we're not going to dwell on the call. We got to yeah. now get up and stop him on the five-yard line. But they definitely got a – some free yards there. And then we had another one that was a, a block in the back called in the second quarter, I think, going towards the same end zone as we were driving. We settled for a field goal on that drive. Um, might have been the third, oh, yeah, third right, quarter yeah, no, uh, where where we got called on a block in the back on a, on a little uh, shoot pass out to the split receiver right. that, you know, again, I've gone back and watched on film and, yeah, that was the first drive um, in the third quarter. Yeah, I just playing, so. I didn't I didn't see that as a block in the back, and that kind of took us out of our sequencing, and we weren't able to convert. Um, but again, you know, officiating is a tough job. You got to make spot decisions and spot calls, and they're going to get some right and they're going to get some wrong. And you know, we're not going to sit there and dwell in that. Um, it's a big call to make on a game-winning drive in the waning moments of a football game. That on I think a second down. Um, I think you're right. I think it was a second. That, yeah. that, you know, all of a sudden puts that team in position to be five yards out. And, you know, we got to stiffen up on the goal line and play there. But, um, you know, the odds, the percentages aren't good. You know, no matter no matter if you're a great goal line defense, you know, the percentages aren't good when teams get down inside the five. I mean, yeah. so that was that was a tough call. Well, um, I, you guys have been able to make those goal-to-go stops in the closing yep. moments. This time, though, uh, Maniti, their receiver, just somehow must have found a seam. It looked like he was wide open in the end. Yeah, they got us pretty good, man. All credit to Coach Gendron on that. You know, we were really anticipating. They kind of did to us what we did to them on the Hubsy touchdown. You know, we were really anticipating Bowler kind of up the middle, give the ball to your stud and let him rumble, um, and they didn't do that. Um, so, you know, we didn't have a great call on – uh, in that in that you know goal line situation for the play that they called um, for lack of a better word we we guessed wrong um, but again a lot of things have to go right in that in that little time period for them to win that game and and if we do our jobs in any of those moments um, the way that we know we can and we're supposed to uh, I don't think they come away with that win but we didn't and they took advantage and they were able to get in the end zone and win the game and all credit to, to Coach Gendron and his staff and 
uh, his squad for doing that. You know, yep. um, we played a game and they won it. At the end of the day, they did enough to win and we didn't. And that's that. Yeah, I mean, you still had a little bit of, you know, the offense. You had a little bit of time to run a few plays at the end. But, uh, you know, and you even had enough. It looks like you had enough timeouts, too. It was some good uh, sideline plays. Yep. I was just wondering, you know, did, did Arno throw that ball to the end zone a little too soon? Because there were no receivers in the area when he threw it. I'd have to go back and watch that cut again, too. Um, you know, we've kind of been looking forward a whole lot more than we've been looking back this week. Sure. Um, so, you know, I ha and, and we had some film issues on that on that last offensive possession. Um I mean that was a that was kind of a tough situation. We had about four seconds left on the clock. We were trying to make the decision about do we want to try to run kind of one more intermediate pass play that's going to take three seconds and risk the clock running out, but maybe put Hampy in a position where he can kick a long field goal for a tie and take it to OT, or you know do we want to just try to take a chuck to the end zone and and throw it up there and kind of let one of our beanstalks go get it? And that's what we decided to do. I was a little bit nervous that if we tried to run a you know a a deep stop or a dig or something like that, that, you know, by the time the ball got out and got to the receiver and the receiver went down that the clock would tick zero and we wouldn't even have a chance uh, to try and put points on the board. So we just said, um, let's just, let's just take a shot and chuck it up there and see what happens. So, uh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, I'll borrow a page from your book. Uh, we'll start moving forward here soon. Now, <laughs> on on to the playoffs. Unfortunately, they won't be, uh, won't have that uh, game at Harris field. Uh, it looks like, uh, yeah, I'm looking at the point numbers here, and I think you guys would have had enough points to, to sneak into the top four. But, oh, I uh, think so. But, uh, you know, a sixth seed is still uh, is still good. Again, it's the first playoff appearance uh, since they went to this format. So uh, that's great. And now a, uh, a trip to uh, to Danvers uh, this Friday in the uh, Division Three North uh, quarterfinals. They're the three seed. They're five and two. Tell you a little bit about them. I was trying to do my own research because I knew nothing about them. They're the Falcons yep. uh, of the, is it the Northeast League or Northeast Conference? I think it's the Northeast Conference. And they're in the North Division. There's actually three divisions in that conference. Uh, uh, the other teams in that, I guess there's five teams in each division. They, uh, they share the North Division with Marblehead, Beverly, Peabody and Malden, and they came in third place this year in the uh, uh, league stand in that division. Uh, they were two and two in the division, or yeah, two and two in the conference, and then five and two overall. And uh, I was looking at their, uh, <laughs> I was looking at the scoring stats for Division Three, and noticed that the top scorer just happens to play for the Danvers Falcons, uh, Matt McCarthy. Uh, 15 touchdowns, one two-point conversion, 92 points. I guess 12 rushing touchdowns, three touchdown receptions. In the top six divisions, the only other players that have scored as many touchdowns in D3 are all from the Middlesex League. Hmm. Tony Bianchi, 17 touchdowns. Uh, Jake Doherty of Burlington, 16. And uh, Christos Argyropoulos from Stoneham. Argyropoulos. Pardon, Argyropoulos. Argyropoulos. Christos, he's a good ball okay. player, man. Well, he had, eight, he had 18 touchdowns yeah, this year. Uh, sure did. One of the many reasons the Spartans are 7-0 uh, and right now. Uh, but, yeah, in so, yeah, there's your th – those are the four players that have scored that many touchdowns in the in the top six divisions in uh, Eastern Mass. Uh, and then the fourth one plays for Danvers. So, uh, you know, and then they've got a quarterback, I guess, Brendan Tracy, who's, uh, you know, in, the, like, the top 20 with, uh, you know, touchdown passes with eight. Uh, they've they started off strong. They won their first five in a row. They've lost each of the last two weeks, but you know I would say you know losing ten seven to Marblehead, who's undefeated on the year. Uh, you know this is gonna be uh, you know I guess this is looking to be a pretty tough uh, 
game for you guys. Yeah, um, Danvers a good football team. You know, they they lost their quarterback in the last two weeks. He's back this week. Oh, Tracy, um, you mean? Yep. Or, okay. Uh, so right. they were playing with their backup. Um, you know, they're a good football team. Uh, they're a they're a, a, a fast, physical defense, uh, very mobile and active defense. Um, you know, so we were kind of getting to work on that today uh, in in all of our sets. Um, and they got a, a big kind of strong offensive line. They they like to run some power football stuff. There's some drives on their film that that look a heck of a lot like kind of our first drive against Framingham. You know, just loading up in two and three back sets. They they like this kind of power eye uh, three back set. You know, and they'll run power at your face over and over and over again until you demonstrate uh, that you can you can stop it. You know, so we know we have a tall order here. We're really excited about that opportunity, you know, in the in the games we feel that we've had this year against kind of really high-quality opponents like, you know, Milton and Redding outside of Lexington. You know, we've really showed up um, and played good football. Um, this is definitely a team that, that relishes their underdog status a little bit. You know, we, we like being the team that nobody thinks can go out there and play and nobody thinks can go out there and ball. Um, and nobody thinks can go out there and, and steal a win. And we're just kind of grinding in our mentality in that regard and, and trying to be, you know, disciplined and trying to be focused um, because they got a, a talented squad, you know. They got a lot of guys in skill positions who can make some things happen. They've got a great quarterback um, who's back, um, and, and they've got great blocking backs and a, and a, ta- and a very talented running back. Um, so we've got to be really disciplined defensively uh, to beat this team and physical because this is a physical football team we're about to play. And uh, we have to be execution rooted uh, in our offensive scheme. You know, we've, we've got to – we can't take negative plays against this defense. Um, you know, we've got to execute in our packages and, and, and make sure that we're gaining yards on at least a couple of yards, you know, two, three yards on, on every time we do anything offensively we need gain. Um I know that that sounds common sense, but uh, I think in a, in, when you're playing a defense like this, that's got a lot of mojo and it's really active and really mobile. Um, you know, you got to make sure to stay out of negative cut, and that's what we're really focused on trying to do. Well, you know, I'm reading. Uh, I went back to look at the uh, the preseason capsule and uh, their head coach Ryan Nolan, who's in his second year uh, coaching the Falcons. Uh, one of the things he was talking about, he talked about how his team was a little undersized last year, inexperienced. They were getting pushed around, and he uh, finished uh, his final quote in the in the season preview was: "90 percent of these players returned this year with yep. experience, year-round strength training, and a commitment to running the ball and stopping the run." I would have to, you know, again, I don't know how much film you've seen of them yet. But I mean, obviously, Quite you've a got bit. you've got a running heavy, you know, offense where you know your offense gets going when when Killian and Rakai are at their peak, and it looks like it's going to be kind of strength. They get strength here where they're going to want to, you know, that that's probably going to be their goal uh, to try to, to shut that down. And you know, I guess they've I would assume they've had some good success based on what you've yeah, seen. Yeah, um, yeah. I I mean, I think they're a good defense, you know, and and again, I think that they they kind of pride themselves on being an active and aggressive defense and. Um, you know, we think we're a pretty versatile offense. You know, uh, we've shown at times that we can be a two-back power run offense and be successful there, and, and that we can also kind of, you know, dance around in the spread a little bit too. And, and um, we, we, like what we, we like what we have in play against these guys. Um, 
we've had to do our job as coaches. I mean, we've been working the last 72 hours, you know, digesting film and looking at their defense and piecing it apart and, you know, figuring out what it is that we think is, you know, going to be the best way to approach it and attack it, you know. So uh, I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited about the opportunity. I always kind of like it um, when we feel like we got to – we really got to think um, as coaches and we got to spend time on the grease board, you know, and we got to, you know – get in there all together and get our formational breakdowns done and done and, you know, get the film cut up and talk as a staff and brainstorm and look at what it is that we're seeing. And everybody kind of throws ideas out into the pot. I, I, I'm, I'm really, uh, we're not a staff where, you know, it's just one guy standing up there and saying, this is the, this is what we're going to do. Um, I mean, obviously it, it ends at that point, right. Cause decisions have to be made. But we really encourage our guys, you know, to to throw ideas out. You know, no no suggestion is a stupid suggestion. Um, even though, like, if it is a stupid suggestion, you know, a couple of the more experienced guys might look at you and be like, I don't know about that. But, um, you know, uh, my coaches did a really great job of that, you know, in terms of scheming and game planning. So, yeah, I mean, football is – war and chess you know chess is war and football is chess and war and all of that kind of combined and so uh i think we got a little bit of a hopefully uh, we got a little bit of a chess match here where where coaches are are thinking and 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 working to create set and um i'm really excited because when i applied for head coaching jobs in the year that i got the belmont job i was a finalist at danvers um oh. and they didn't hire me um, they hired sean terrio who who was there for i think three years and then he left um, right, so they're already on their second coach. So they're on their their second coach. So uh, wow. you know, there's a little little show me there. A show, yeah, there's just a little. There's a there's a little mojo there for sure. You know, um, would have been a longer commute mm. out, out to Danvers than than Belmont for sure. And and by uh, time I'm, to queue it up. I'm very <laughs> I'm very happy that I ended up where I did. You know, I've been really lucky. Been and, waiting to drop that all. Yeah, season. it was good. Just, it was good. <laughs> okay. But no, I mean, I've been really happy and blessed, you know, to to get to be here in Belmont. Um, so I just kind of find it, you know, the universe is not without a sense of irony that our that our first trip to the playoffs is against a team that, you know, what I was have, grateful could have been right. I was grateful to be been. a finalist in any interview. You know, I was sure. a young a young applicant with just coordinating experience and good coaching experience. But man, was I was I lucky to get to get to the final round at at Danvers and get to the final round at Belmont and. Um, you know, it's it's just kind of it puts a little smile on my face that our first playoff trip is going to be going going up Danvers. Yeah, um, well, and you know, you might uh, be catching them at a well. I don't, uh, you know, if there's we're going to look for any kind of stats we can glom onto here that might uh, be a positive. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, Danvers only two and two at home this year, and they've lost the actually they've been home the last two weeks and have lost uh, by six to Beverly, by three to Marblehead. So it's not like they're both good programs yeah, there too. I was gonna in, say, in, in Beverly uh, and Marblehead. I mean, this so is they're, they're home for the third straight week here, uh, hosting you guys. They so. are. I mean, this is Todd. This is a great football. They're a great football team. Um, they really are. Coach Nolan's done a great job up there, man. They're they're what three and three in Division Three North, and that's a tough mm -hmm. division with a with a good power rating. They've beat some really quality opponents, um, and they've they've beat big the opponents that they're supposed to beat big, you know. And so we know that this is a good football team. Um, you know, we like to think we're a pretty good football team, too. Uh, we haven't backed away from anybody yet. You know, That's there's absolutely. there's never there's never been a game this season where where, you know, this squad has gone in, 
you know, feeling like they're going to lose or feeling like they're outmatched or feeling like they're overmatched. Uh, we, you know, we got a little bit of a fight in spirit and uh, we're going to go out there and we're going to fight as hard as we possibly can to come away with a win. But we're really just focused on staying emotionally level and doing our job because there's going to be some juice to this game. I mean, for our guys, you know, first trip out to a playoff game. I'm sure the atmosphere will be great. Danvers is a great sports town, you know, you know with, with a lot of talent and great programs and big programs. You know, their basketball program's been great. Their baseball program's been great. Football program's been great. I'm sure their, their home stands are going to be loud and proud. Uh, I'm just really excited to kind of enjoy the experience with my guys and go out there and fight hard to try to win a playoff game. So that's what we're going to do. Let me piggyback off what you just said, though. Is there any concerns you might have of maybe they're they're too amped up? You want to try to con- you have to kind of contain, you know, you, you need to be obviously up for these kinds of games and everything. But it is a first time, and you know, it, is it you, you need to kind of keep it kind of like a calm control or yeah. Something? Like I mean, we want to we, we want to play with focused know, energy. And, you know, we talk we talk about that a little bit. Like we've got to have the focus, but we got to have the energy at the same time, and we got to pair those two things together. Um, but also at the end of the day, you know. Uh, it's just a football game, and we've played a lot of football, you know, and there are guys on our football team just like theirs who've played a lot of football, who've gotten a lot of reps, you know, and so uh, your your rep execution is still your rep execution, whether you're playing in week one, whether you're playing in week eight, or whether you're playing in a Super Bowl, right? The play is the play. Your job is your job. Um, so I think when you're able to kind of stay within that and not think about broader context until the last whistle blows, you're always going to be – more successful as any athletic program, right? Not just football, but, you know, you got to be able to kind of trim the moment down and and say, you know, this is just my repetition. This is just my job, and I'm going to go do it. Yep. No, the people, <laughs> just oh. folks leaving the studio. That's oh. all. I'm just waving goodbye to them. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think they're coming back. I thought right. you were giving me the Oscar light. You no, know, no, no, no. Playing just, me off the stage. No. You know, another thing I was thinking about, though, is uh, you guys have won. You've had one road win this year, and in that game, you got uh, both a special teams and a defensive ch- touchdown, two things that you had set up to that point that you'd never done in your uh, your time here. So is that, but I mean, again, so I kind of took that much extra. And of course you guys won that game by three points at Framingham. So, yeah. I mean, are you thinking about partly that too, that, you know, just it's going to, it may take more than the offense, you know, obviously, but I mean, just yeah, I think, more than just the offense scoring points. I know yeah, everyone yeah, has yeah. to play well in their area, but it may. No, be I mean, I think anytime you got a playoff game, you know, you got to, you got to play all phase, all three phases of the game well to win um, period. Right. This isn't a game that, you know, we don't want to go in this and say like, okay, this is a game like the offense can steal it for the defense if the defense doesn't play well or whatever. Um, you know, we got to go out there and we have to execute in all three phases of the game, and we're we're focused on that this week. You know, and making sure that we're spending sufficient time, uh, you know, working all three phases and and teaching all three phases and coaching all three phases with purpose. Um, you know, I've got a great staff man I, I really do and we put it on our play sheet every day you know it says coach with purpose not noise you know we want to go out there and we want to coach with purpose uh everybody has their job to do their position to make work their unit to make work their side of the ball to make work their special teams to make work and our job is to go out there and give our kids quality repetition and practice and their job is to go out there and execute so we're going to need the offense we're going to need the defense and we're going to need the special teams to chime in 
um, and put a put a great game plan together and, and then just go out there and get off the bus and go do our jobs and execute. So it'll be uh, Friday night at Danvers High School, 7 o'clock kickoff. Uh, Third-seeded uh, Danvers Falcons, the six-seeded Belmont Marauders, and uh, the winner of that game will take on the uh, winner of the 2-7 matchup, uh, Lynn English uh, versus Concord Carlisle. Uh, the two and seven, respectively. They're playing that one at the uh, the Manning Bowl uh, uh, in Lynn. Uh, but uh, well, it, you know, if if you and Concord Carlisle both win, I guess you was the higher seed. Uh, you could actually theoretically, I guess, come back and have come a, back have to a Harris. Home, you might have a home playoff game after all. Uh, yeah, with, you know, uh, we're yeah, we're know. gonna we're gonna keep our eyes. Yeah, first. we're gonna keep yeah, our eyes on this one Friday okay. night, and uh, and then you know we'll we'll see what it is that that gets to happen on the back end of that. But, you okay. know, we're we're super blinders on right now. Okay. Um, we got 44 minutes to play up Danvers, and that's where our head's at. Well, hopefully you don't have enough, uh, too many blinders on to, at least, of course, you know, the Marauders have their big playoff game, and obviously now the Red Sox have sure reached the, uh, the end of their playoff run here, their final series. And uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers, two historic franchises meeting for the first time as Red Sox and Dodgers. And the only other time they met was 102 years ago uh, when the Red Sox were playing uh, playoff games at Braves Field and the uh, Dodgers were known as the Brooklyn Robins. So it's a, it is. <laughs> I been... saw that. Uh, I forget where I saw that, that, that the Did... last time these two teams met. I think Babe Ruth started. Yes, he started game two of the, <laughs> the 1916 World Series. He started game two. He pitched a complete game. Mm-hmm. And now I will tell you that the game went 14 innings. Yeah. Whoa. And he pitched a f- complete game <laughs> yes, of 14. Yeah. He did. Uh, the, and then he uh, went down and ate the Brooklyn ate seven hot dogs and drank a quart of whiskey and probably. smoked five cigars. But uh, well, he was only 21 then, so he wasn't, and he didn't have quite. You know, he was a kid then. He was, yeah. Uh, from what I from what I've read of Babe Ruth, he was a he was a a, a youngster who <laughs> loved life, especially when he when he got out of the 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 yoke of the brothers. Um, that that educated him and was able to uh-huh. run free. Uh, interesting story, George Herman. Yeah, no, uh, we could do a whole show on that. I'm sure. Uh, the other, you know, the interesting part about that too: 14 inning game, two hours, 32 minutes. The, <laughs> Man, don't the, see that anymore. The clinching game, Red Sox won that series in five. The game five, 92 minutes. Goodness gracious me. Yeah. Well, the commercials were shorter back then, <laughs> 1916. I think that was yeah, part of the sure reason. Yeah, they sure were. And yeah. I've now officially used that joke three times. That was so. good. You got uh, a laugh out actually, of me. Actually, I got the biggest laugh from you. I, I know. You know, there you go. You make a good audience, Coach thank Q. You, I appreciate you. that. Thank you very but, much. But uh, let's get back to the to the 2018 World Series. Uh, Red Sox, Dodgers. I mean, the Red Sox have really been running through the gauntlet. They beat the 100-win Yankees, the 103-win Astros, uh, clinching both series, you know, at their park. Uh, they're five and zero on the road this year, but they're going to have home field. Uh, it yeah. seems like a lot of things are going in their favor. First pitch will be in just a few minutes, although uh, it's been raining and thundering and lightning although outside. Although it's through, so. and they probably okay. took good care of the field. All right, um, I'm fired up for the series, man. I my I joke with my neighbor across the street too, Scotty, who I've brought up on this show. <laughs> yes, Scotty gets as much pub as a uh, Karen Shea. Yeah. Oh, I oh, said it again. Oh, guard it. Oh, so she's gonna, gonna hate me. You're gonna oh get, boy, you're gonna, get me gonna have trouble. to hide from her. This you're gonna story. get me in trouble. <laughs> um, no, I, I Scotty is is you know one of these kind of clouded doom Sox fans as as an older guy who's you know been through the pain and but, but 04 doesn't um, see to me I, I'm one of those old people that remember yeah that and too, I mean but, so am uh, I not that old but you know oh, please in, <laughs> had a lot of years of being a Sox fan you know before I got to see a World Series yeah um and but hey you know so Scotty in the first two series you know come out oh Red Sox are in a lot of trouble Q they're in a lot of trouble you know and then we 
we got Series 1 against the Yanks, and then came in the Astros. Well, they, they got the Yankees, but I'll tell you this Astros squad, the Sox are in a lot of trouble. I don't know if the pitch is going to hold out, Q. You know, so then we came out, and uh, I came out this morning to go to work, and Scotty was out, like, watering his plants or something. and said, you got to say it now, Scott. He looks at me and goes, Red Sox are in a lot of trouble. So I love it that he says it three times in a row because he knows what he's doing. I'm trying to get that good mojo going going into the series. I swear, I swear they make sports talk radio for, for people, fans like Scott. Oh, they, they no doubt. They right into his wheelhouse. I, no I, doubt. I just refuse to fall into their, the trap there. But uh, no, I mean, this should be, I mean, you know, you look at the two teams. Obviously, the Dodgers only won 92 games. So, I mean, on paper, it doesn't look like it's as tough. But then you look at the, the Dodgers pitching staff. Yeah. You they look got at a good staff. Very versatile lineup. I mean, they're you know uh, Dave Roberts, the guy who kind of started all this in 04. He had that that little stolen base yeah. that October night that kind of got got this championship a spark run. plug attitude. You know? Yeah, I mean, and now he's managing on the other side. But uh, you know, they do a lot of mixing and matching. They've got a closer who has not been uh, you know having uh, their their fans uh, biting their nails every time yeah. he steps on the mound. I mean, he's he's actually getting guys out and closing the game without a whole lot of suspense and must uh, be nice yeah no i know must be <laughs> well they're they're claiming that kimbrell's got that behind him because he was tipping off his pitches so yeah, now well, it's all we'll, you know we'll see i mean i think you know if you're looking at us on paper obviously i mean this Sox team is something special and you know if the pitching holds up and the starting pitching holds up and get a quality quality outing out of out of price in this series um you know i think the Sox are in in great shape if they can get get uh kimbrell criding down a little bit and kind of, you know, get those six outs or three outs, depending on how they use them um, in the series. Um, I don't know what what Cora is going to do in those late innings uh, yeah. with Kimbrell pitching the way that he has been. I don't know how many how many more lives he has, you know, uh, just in the baseball's game of statistics, right? So, you know, statistics would say that if you keep putting guys on base in the ninth, that eventually it's going to come back and bite you. Um, but, you know. Alex knows what he's doing. Who am I? I'm just a, I'm just a fan. Well, yeah, but you bring up Price uh, and the performance he had in Game Five, and he finally, finally, won, finally won a playoff start. See, to me, you know, he's been carrying that 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 grand piano on his back now for so long, and it keeps getting bigger and bigger. Uh, I, I would have to think now, just all that weight's been lifted, and to me, like now, it's got, it feels like an unlimited ceiling for him. Like he can just go out there and pitch and stop thinking, because we all know yeah. that David Price's own worst enemy is between his ears. Man, and I, uh, and I love David Price. I, I mean, I've always been a big David Price guy, even when he was with Tampa, you know, and and was kind of a Sox killer. You know, I, I think that he's a, I think he's a supremely talented pitcher. I was kind of always somebody who was in Price's corner, you know saying at some point in time this guy's going to put the pieces together and he's going to quiet quiet the mind he's going to go out there and he's going to be filthy you know and i mean if we can get that kid throwing filthy and and sale is sale um and get strong outing out he's of he's got Porce- a great matchup against kershaw oh here my in game God. one and then, about and then get like a great the, matchup out of or historic. get a great start out of porcello um, you know, that's a that's a tough one, two, three punch in any series. Well, don't forget Nathan Avaldi. I mean, I mean love Avaldi yeah. too, but you look at those you look at those three for me, like those three are the guys. Like if those three guys can go out there and have great outings, yeah. we're in good shape for the series. Well, I just want Porcello on the road for his start because he's got to get some yeah. more ABs. I was down in uh, Washington uh, at uh, the Nationals Park when he uh, had that bases clearing yep. double and cranked uh, one. Yeah, I mean you got to get his bat. He might be the best, most dangerous number nine hitter in this <laughs> uh, in this World Series. But oh, uh, yeah, no, they got a lot of uh, different uh, weapons there. Uh, let me ask you this then. Uh, 
first of all, if you were Alex Cora, who when you get to the when speaking of Dodger Stadium, who what would you do to get JD Martinez in the lineup? Who sits? Because somebody's got to. You know, I, we've heard really some. Well, tough you know question. the you know the easy answer and the answer it's been most of the year when the Sox have played at National League parks is usually just one of the outfielders. It's either Benintendi or Bradley that's the odd man out. But now we're hearing some rumblings. Now Alex Cora is totally downplaying him, but Mookie Betts, who of course came up through the Red Sox organization as a second baseman, and the Red Sox not really getting a lot of offensive production at second base this postseason. Wow. And Ian Kinsler's, you know, he was brought here for defense, but really, even, even some of his defense has been. Kind of, like, I wouldn't expect. I wouldn't expect that. Um, by the way, for the record, Mookie Betts did play in at least one inning I, that I could recall because yeah, I was sec- watching the second game. Base. Second base. I would. Yeah. I would anticipate Ben Attendee. If yeah. I if I was Cora, I would sit. I would sit Ben Attendee. Yeah, that that may very well um, be uh, the case, particularly if the Dodgers are starting a lefty. I know they've got three yeah. lefties in the rotation. So. And just I I don't I mean, I don't think you can. I don't think you could take JBJ out of the lineup, man. Defense, the ALCS defensively, MVP, defensively, yeah. especially <laughs> defense. Like I yeah. know that he had the big hits in the in the you know he had the he had the grand salami, also. But like I think defensively, you know that's just not a guy that you can take out of the field. Um, well, especially if you have to put Martinez in the in the outfield with yep, him, he's going to have to it. cheat a little bit, I think. To uh, so um, I, I that 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 would be my money is uh, sit the kid, you know, let let Andrew head to the bench. Um, for those games. Um, who do you think would be if uh, – well, first of all, let me get your prediction, and then who do you think will be this series, Jackie Bradley Jr., or maybe that unsung hero, or, or who do you think is going to be the big key? Who's uh, the unsung hero? Yeah. Unsung hero, Mitch Moreland. Ooh, I like it. Okay. Yep. I think I think Mitch Moreland's – I don't know why. Now, I said Red Sox and six. I'm going to put you on – got to give me a prediction. Sox here. and five. Five, yeah. A lot of people are saying that, you know, and that would follow suit, you know, clinch on the road again for the third Sox and five, series. went on the road. Mitch Moreland does something unexpected. He's okay. gonna he's gonna go yard. Well, that's interesting too because I know three of the four Dodger. You know, I don't I I don't think Moreland's starting tonight against Kershaw, so I don't nope. even know how many. Maybe it'll be a pinch hitting. Home I'm just I don't know why. I just I got a I got a Mitch Moreland feeling. You know, he's got the tight hammy. He's kind of got the Kirk Gibson hammy. You know, mm-hmm. and oh um, and going to Dodger Stadium. Going to 30, Dodger Stadium. Year anniversary of their last championship. something about something mm. about a hamstring and home runs, oh, baby. Let's I go. Like it. I like it. <laughs> You know, I can almost hear Vince Scully uh, saying it again. Oh, you know? it's one of my favorite, favorite. The, yeah, I know moments, that was. Man. Oh, that really was. It, it's funny. Thirty years ago, I was actually studying in Scotland. It was the only World Series I didn't see live, wow. other than some highlights. Uh, I mean, I saw a lot of it after the fact, but uh, yeah, you know, well, yeah, I mean, baseball over in, in the UK is yeah, not even. Not, a, not Thirty big. years ago, especially, was just a. I know they're going to be playing. Uh, Red Sox and Yankees are playing in London yeah. next year, so yeah. it's not going to be quite as forward to them. But uh, yeah, no, that'll be. Uh, yeah, that'll be something. But uh, yeah, no, it, it should, should be, be a good one. Yeah, it should be an entertaining series, no doubt about that. Okay, well, as we wrap up this week, I want to remind you, of course, all of our podcasts with Coach Q can be found online at belmontmedia.org/podcast and also on SoundCloud.com. Just search Belmont Media. Listen at your convenience. Make sure you download that uh, free SoundCloud app. It's available on both iTunes and Google Play stores. And links to our weekly interviews with Coach Q are posted on both Facebook and Twitter. Again, our Twitter handle is at TOSTBMC. You're on Twitter. Hashtag Q's 4Q. Q-S-F-O-R-Q. Come on. Send your congrats. The Marauders are in the playoffs. Woo! So uh, you can also become a Facebook fan. Uh, search timeout for Sports Talk. So until next week, for Coach Q, I'm Todd Bologniar saying it is playoff time. Get in those uh, tweets. And uh, 
In fact, uh, go Marauders. I was going to call this month uh, Maraudtober. Does that? I was, I was trying to come Mar-October. up with October. I yeah. like it. Well, anyway, uh, regardless of my 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 uh, awkward my new words that I'm trying to make up here uh, for Coach Q, I'm Todd Bolaneros. Thank you very much for checking out the TOST Toddcast right here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network.